Can you hear it? The sound of ocean? Waves against a rocky cliff? It's Maine, a place where sights, sounds, and tastes all come to life. Breathtaking vistas from the top of a seaside mountain. Lobster and oysters straight from crisp, cold waters. It's where you can take a breath and a beat and let the world slip away. Plan your trip at visitmaine.com. Where do you want to go next? Anywhere is possible when you use Booking.com. Choose from thousands of unique stays across the U.S. and beyond. From hotels of all sizes to beach houses, wooden cabins, tiny homes, and more. Whatever style of travel you prefer, from sun and surf to camping in the woods to sightseeing in the city, you can find the accommodation that's perfect for you on Booking.com. Book somewhere, anywhere. The possibilities are everywhere. Booking.com. Booking. Yeah. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome to The Deal Board, everybody. And this week, we have a show dedicated to talking about property management companies, but not just property management, specifically vacation rentals as well, which is a growing market, especially with the introduction and, um, you know, fast growth of companies like Airbnb and VRBO, which I think is now called Verbo is how they're pronouncing it. But Andy, we've got some great interviews and good rules of thumb to discuss in this industry, right? Yeah, it is a growing industry. And what you're seeing is a lot of the cities uh, kind of push back and they want this stuff professionally managed. And it's not, you know, they're going to make it harder and harder for the homeowner to kind of run this without rules. And I think what you're going to see is these professional management companies come in and take more and more of this inventory uh, and be able to professionally manage it. And we're, we've seen that for years here in high uh, touristy places, especially Orlando. Right. And I mean, in Colorado, we have a lot of tourist markets in the ski towns. Um, so it's been um, an evolution um, of looking at um, professionally typical property management firms that manage those vacation rentals to a swing to owners managing them themselves. Um, and now you're seeing a swing back, not quite towards full big service professional management companies, but more of these small businesses that are, that are popping up to service this industry. Um, and I think it's good on the professional side, but you know, like one of our guests today is, uh, Sarah Regalhuth, and she's actually an Australian entrepreneur that relocated to Colorado a few years ago and recently purchased a business that does vacation rental management. And what she talks about a lot too is about the experience of the renter. So how do you create an experience in your home or your property that creates a returning customer? And I think that's like a big thing. Most most homeowners don't want to have to manage that whole process and the cleaning and, and all that stuff really goes into those reviews that you get, which drive a lot of traffic to your properties on those websites. Yeah, and you're seeing that, you know, it's so hot, the real estate market, right? And they've been building, 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 and people are buying, 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 buying. And what's going to happen is as that gets soft, or if it, it experiences a soft, people are going to have to try to recoup some of their money, or you know they, they're not going to be able to flip it. So they're actually going to have to manage those properties. And vacation rental is a good way to do it. And property management uh, companies will be able to help people because it is not just that easy to manage a 
piece of real estate, uh, you know, when you're renting it out, and especially for uh, tourist reasons. You know, people come, they party, uh, there's wear and tear on the home. Uh, somebody has to make sure that they're not doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. And with the advent of cameras, and then there's legalities with yep. the cameras. Yeah. So, it, you know, we're seeing the And uh, Mike Shea, we talked to Mike Shea. He's a guru in the industry. He sold a lot of these things. And he kind of gives us a really good update of what we're, you know, what he's seeing in the industry. Yeah. And talking about buying and selling in this industry because it's growing, you know, and, and there's so many different segments of the business now, right. In property management, you can manage uh, full-time residential properties. You can manage full-time commercial properties. Now you have these vacation rentals you can do. And they, it's always been a desirable industry, but we've been seeing the multiples and the demand for these businesses really tick up over the last couple of years. It's a nice industry. It's one of those industries that people can look at us and go, well, I want something that I can grow. I want something that is not retail. I want something that uh, is uh, I can professionally manage. And it's not a lot of, you know, kind of uh, entry level or blue collar workers, although there's some of that in a professional property management. You have to hire people to manage the property. Uh, but uh, it's one of those businesses that is highly desirable. And we're seeing immigrants love the, the business and they're getting E2 visas. Uh, and there is professional associations that we talk about in this episode uh, that, that you can find out more information about the industry as well. All right. So because of that, we're seeing a wide range of multiples and the multiples really... Um, they range based on what type of company it is. So there's some types of properties that are more desirable than others to manage, um, making the company more profitable. But like as a general rule of thumb, and this isn't a rule of thumb because it's super wide, um, but we're seeing anywhere between two times and five times SDE on these companies. And again, it goes back to their client mix and then also the size of the company. Like we always talk about quantity of earnings too, drives a multiple. Right. And you're seeing it also location-wise, right? So there are some some places like we uh, that go through like spring break itis where they kind of they clamp down on on spring break. We've seen that before. Uh, and then, you know, the vacation rentals goes way down or they try to drive the kids away. And you saw that in Panama Beach. You saw that in Fort Lauderdale once upon a time. Uh, so it, it really depends on where the location is as well. And um, again, I think this is all kind of um, – flesh out into the future uh, where, you know, the laws kind of meet the regulations that kind of meet the, the, the professional people that can do this for you. But again, growing industry. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're a seller um, and you're especially in that aging baby boomer demographic, it might be a great time to consider getting out because the multiples are still so strong and it's growing so fast. Um, if you're a buyer in the industry, you're going to face some competition on these deals. And Andy, we just did a podcast on how to win a deal if you're a buyer. So that could be helpful. Yeah. You want to go back and listen to that because you do have to bid. You have to bid fast and you have to be been strong. I mean, you want these business and there's no easier way to grow your vacation rental business than acquisition. I mean, that's why it's hot as well. Yeah. I mean, we just uh, got a new listing. Um, and because, and this is a good reason to work with brokers. If you're a buyer, we already have a backlog of probably 50 buyers in our database, ready to go said, when you bring us the next deal, we're ready to make an offer. Um, so we just got a new listing that went under contract in less than a week. Um, so it's another good reason why you want to work with your brokers. You get the inside tracks when the new listings come up. Yeah. And there's no better place than trans world to do that. I mean, we have 
600 brokers across the world and we have thousands of listings and you do want to be there because we've talked about that before. I've talked to buyers all the time. It's like, you need to be ready to go and you need to understand valuation. You need to understand the marketplace you're in. And one of the great ways to do that is listen to our podcast and understand valuation and understand uh, what it takes to buy a business because in these high, uh, these highly desirable industries, uh, you are going to face that competition. And you're right. you got to be ready to rock. Yeah. So thanks to Mike Shea and Sarah Regalhus for joining us today. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, enjoy the insight from these two experts. Um, and if you ever have any questions for us, as always, you can visit us at thedealboardpodcast.com. Great. Let's get going. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we are talking today about the vacation rental industry. It is a big industry out there, and there it is very popular, obviously, in places where there is a big tourism market. And of course, that one of those places is in Orlando, and there's no one better to talk to in Orlando than Mike Shea from our Transworld Business Brokers of Central Florida. Mike, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's talk about vacation rentals. You've done a lot of deals in that industry. Yeah, I think to date I've sold uh, 56 of them, um, ranging ranging from uh, 140 uh, home units down to 10 units and contracts. So um, the industry, obviously here in Orlando with Mickey Mouse and Harry Potter, is um, what, what I would describe as kind of the, the, the Rome or the Mecca of um vacation rental the industry runs a little different here than it does in some of the uh the other markets like the beach markets even in tampa or over on the space coast um and, but but the industry's everywhere i mean they have it in utah and the ski locations the jersey shore uh the poconos um and obviously with the with the onset of the internet it's it's got a massive evolution over the last 15 to 20 years so let's talk a little bit about that evolution. I mean, things like Airbnb and VRBO and all those kind of home away, those kind of websites, is it helping or hurting? Well, the perception, I think, to the to the public is that it's a, it hurts. Um, that is an industry and, you know, the booking, what I would call those are, are booking platforms, i.e. a commerce site where a, a guest will go to rent. Um and then there's the the homeowner or the property manager who's placing the ad there. Um, those companies make money on the advertisements of the units. So they're basically an evolution of newspaper ads or brochures or, or travel agencies from decades ago. So they, they haven't hurt what the property manager or the homeowner, but they have hurt um, the uh, tour operators and they have hurt the travel agencies because they're cutting into the margin. Uh, that those people used to provide. So the internet's basically become the highway and VRBO home away has become the means by which uh, guests find places to stay. 
So let's talk about the mechanics of the industry itself. I mean, people own these residences or they contract with these residence owners and they then become the management for renting them out. Right. So here's how the, the businesses that, that manage vacation rentals, um, in some states, they're licensed as real estate agents. So say Fort Lauderdale um, or West Palm or places like uh, Clearwater Beach, traditionally you'll see real estate companies um, you know, guys who are selling houses or renting properties, they will manage vacation rentals. Specific areas uh, of the country will have laws and they'll classify that under real estate law. So here in, in Florida, you know, those markets, you'll see guys governing under 475. But most of the markets, and by 475, I mean the, the regulation for the state governing real estate. Um, but most markets in Florida, at least, are are viewing these these rentals as hotels. So they're actually licensed as hotels. Um, they are exempt from um, having to have a real estate license. But you, because of the volumes on the coast and the seasonality of the coast, the, the real estate offices tend to dominate there. When you get to Central Florida, um, and and or you know traditional tourism markets like Destin or uh, Panama City. You see vacation rental companies that are not real estate agents, and they're booking these things out on a weekly or a biweekly or even a monthly basis. And in some cases, you can go up to six months. Once you get over the six-month mark, it's governed under real estate law because that's the way our Florida laws work. Um, but other than that, they're treated just like a hotel. Um, the business itself has you know, multiple revenue streams. So, you know, we'd like to diversify we, in any business. You want to see multiple revenue streams. So the core revenues are uh, a management fee that's, that's billed to the homeowner. It's about a, um, a monthly basis. There'll be a, a service charge for lawns, a service charge for pools, a service charge for pest control. Um, those are all billed on a monthly basis. And what most companies do is they subcontract that out and then there's a markup applied by the management company on each of those services. Mm. So you're getting monthly income on these things that have to be done every month. Then there is the booking fee or the commission, for lack of a better term, on the charges. Um, on the coasts, you'll see the ranges of those can get up to as high as 25%. In a high-volume market like Orlando, uh, I mean, there's literally 18,000-plus vacation rentals in Orlando. The, the rates can be anywhere between 10 to 15% on a booking because occupancies here run 70 to 80%, you know, and there's, there's a whole lot more choices for the consumer. So, so it's just the market dynamics. It's a volume market here in Orlando. Um, and then you'll have tr markups on management fees, things like, um, you know, painting, uh, replacing screens on the lanai decks, uh, changing air filters, uh, Recharging fire extinguishers on a on a biannual basis because guess what these are hotels and we have to meet those regulations. So there's lots of revenue streams into them. You know, I have actually have a questionnaire that we can load up into the show notes that I always ask property managers that helps me understand where their margins lay. Um, and it's just list, literally, hey, what do you charge for lawn? What do you charge for pool? What does the what does the homeowner get charged? And then what are your commissions? And then the, the real thing I always drill into is how many beds or in the house, and how close is it to the resorts? Right. Um, because that drives occupancy, and occupancy triggers all the other elements of the revenue streams. So this is a great business. It sounds like a, a business that usually has good books and records. So 
what, you know, who's buying these businesses and who usually runs these kind of businesses? So a lot of people, these are second careers. So the buyers who buy them generally are second careers. We've seen companies try and do roll-ups in the industry. Um, everybody thinks they're going to recreate the wheel and that they're the smartest guy in the room, you know, and they can go out and grab 600 and 700 homes. But these are high-touch businesses. Uh, and by high-touch, I mean you've got a, a homeowner's, you know, a substantial investment of a homeowner's property, you know, two, three, upwards of a million dollars sometimes in some of these 16 to 17 bedroom homes in like places like reunion. Um, and you know, these people want their, their, their investment maintained. The guests are paying good money. So, you know, they're coming for their once in a lifetime vacation to Mickey mouse and they have high expectations. So they, they have lots of touch. So the scalability of it, um, you always have, once you start to scale the business, it starts to add more people, but we generally see mom and pop, husband and wife type and family operators pretty regularly. And there's tiers of numbers of properties that kind of dictates who's buying it. If there's 20 properties, I, you know, it's not unreasonable for one person to be able to manage that type of portfolio. Once you get to around 40, a husband and wife can handle it. Once you get past the 40 unit mark, it, you know, logistics, the, the operational tempo driven by the seasonality and the holiday spikes and what has to be done in order to prepare a house to be ready for a guest, you know, that kind of mitigates. And what happens is you start, start throwing headcount against it to maintain the service level. That's what I mean by high touch. So, you know, we rarely see um, massive companies. I think the biggest company in Orlando probably has 500 homes. That's 500 against 18,000. So the majority of the market share are companies 40 units and under. Right. Um, so it's usually a husband wife team that's buying these things. So it's a, it's a nice mom and pop business that uh, is going to be around for a while. And uh, so what, what, what do they usually sell for as far as a multiple? They hold and have historically held no matter the size, um, you know, close to a 1.8 to a 2.2 multiple. When you get up over the you know, $100,000 cash flow, not unreasonable to see a 2.5. You get up even higher, a three or a four is an under is not un, un you know uncommon. So if you do a good job out there, buy a small mom and pop and build it, you can create some really good value. Oh yeah, I mean the margins hold. I mean these things are highly profitable. They usually run from a home or a very small office. They don't require a lot of equipment. The, the, the annuity revenues, you know, we always like to see the annuity revenues. The annuity revenues are really really attractive to people and. You know, a lot of the expats that are coming into Florida buy them because they could be home based, and you're tied to the you're, you're tied to the tourism industry and Mickey Mouse, so you're kind of riding the coattails of a massive company, so you really don't struggle. That sounds like a great business, and I know it's it is pre and not as prevalent as Orlando, but certainly here in South Florida, Panama Beach, with some of the spring break areas. But again, very seasonal. Uh, I, I went to Amelia Island. I rented a, a a home from someone, so it was managed by a, a, a real estate office, just like you said. So I've seen that around the country and around the world uh, uh, that where we've rented these uh, types of businesses, and they're a great business. So. Michael, thanks for coming on today. If someone wanted to get in touch with you to learn more, where's the best way to do that? Best way to do that is to hit me on my cell phone, 321-287-0349, or visit my website, yourfloridabusinessbroker.com. All right, great. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. 
Sold. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And it is Deal of the Week, and we have a very special guest, one of our top performing offices, Rupesh Berard from Transworld Business Advisors of Richmond, Virginia. And uh, he has a lot of territory in Virginia. He does the majority of Virginia, and uh, he has a very a prolific practice, but this one is good. I like this because it's a franchise resale, which uh, we do a lot of. Rupesh, welcome. Thank you so much, Andy. So tell us about what franchise it was and tell us a little bit about the deal. Andy, this was a college hung calling uh, junk and moving franchise. That's a service based uh, business uh, hauling uh, junk as well as um, uh, short haul in terms of uh, moving services. The franchise uh, was in business for about uh, 15 years. The challenge was the current owner bought this franchise only one year back. So Mm. the financials, uh, we had to go through the deep uh, dive into financials, uh, prepare the financial, uh, do the professional packaging. Also, we worked on forecasting about the projections based on the the current revenue model uh, increase in growth. uh, in the um, revenue as well as bottom line. And uh, with like about um, two dozen employees, a uh, couple of trucks, it's an amazing franchise that we found um, and helped seller to put together a nice professional package. Yeah, I know that franchise. I actually know the local franchisee down here in South Florida, and it is a great franchise. And uh, it's a growing franchise, so uh, college hunks. And so tell us a little bit, what was the price of the uh, eventual sale? Sure. Uh, we listed uh, a little bit north of uh, 500,000 based on the projected cash flow around uh, 180. We were targeting three multiples and the actual cash flow came around uh, close to 150-ish. The final uh, transactions were uh, close to like a three multiple of the cash flow. The interesting and challenging <coughs> part was uh, uh, seller finance versus uh, bank loan. So we can cover, if you are interested, uh, a little bit more details on that one. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, you know, that, so the, there was bank financing involved? Yes. Uh, initially, bank was uh, 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 approved for like about 30-40% finances based on the uh, current uh, history or financials of current owner. And that was a challenge. So we worked with buyers and sellers. Uh, buyers actually came up with uh, 50% of cash down. And uh, we convinced seller because there was a challenge from SBO or conventional lender based on the very short history of the current owner. Bank was a little bit resistant on um, financing the deal. So we convinced the seller and um, seller decided to hold about a 40% of a note in the um, small amount of uh, finance uh, that the buyer got from uh, uh, some of those personal loans. And that was a very quick deal instead of waiting for a couple of weeks or a month. Yeah, sometimes that works out. Obviously, with the, the short history of the owner, uh, the banks were hesitant to lend on that. So you did a good job by convincing the owners to hold the paper and uh, obviously convincing the buyer through, again, a short history, uh, but you know with the projections and everything. So it sounds like it was a good deal for good people again. Absolutely. It was a very good deal for um, very good people. Uh, the franchise was, in fact, uh, not fully, uh, they were not utilizing the full scope of uh, the franchise territories they have. The new owner, we find a really great match, a good people, 
and they will be able to expand this business and grow the revenue at least uh, double in next couple of years. That's great. Great job. So Rupesh, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you uh, in the Richmond area, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, people can reach me and that's what I tell my client. They can reach me on my direct cell phone number, 804-399-0870. They can send me an email at rupesh at seaworld.com. That is R-U-P-E-S-H at seaworld.com. Great. Great job. Good deal for everybody. Franchise resale. Love doing those. Thanks, Rupesh. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much, Andy. Welcome back, everybody. And today, as you know, we're talking all things property management and vacation rental management. And I have a special guest with me today, a good friend of mine from um, Entrepreneurs Organization. Sarah Regalhuth is the one of the investors in a new company called Love My B&B. It's a vacation rental management company. And they're doing some interesting things. But Sarah, we would love to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, Sarah, you're such an accomplished entrepreneur. Why don't you just give the listeners a a quick high level of, you know, who you are, what you've done and and kind of how you got to the vacation rental uh, market? Yeah, sure. And thank you for saying nice things about me. (laughs) Um, I I guess I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. Before that, though, I was working in a family business. So it's kind of in my blood um, in financial services. So I was 17 years in financial services which are all recurring revenue businesses. I think that's pretty much my niche. I've always been in recurring revenue businesses, mainly professional services, and I kind of feel fairly comfortable in that space. So over the 10 years, I bought and sold and merged and acquired and founded and all sorts of things. Um, But yeah, there was three main businesses that I, two main businesses that I built um, and then sold. And I also... My dad passed away six years ago. I also inherited his financial planning business and prepped that up for sale and sold that as well. Um, Started a bookkeeping business, online bookkeeping that we ended up failing because it didn't have the model right. So we we failed that one. And then I have some other businesses and have kind of moved out of financial services now. So the main business that I spend my time on is is growing my team, which is um, remote staffing. But last year we for uh, myself and the girl who's been running my company for the last eight years. She's the CEO of our new company, Love My B&B. So we've just rebranded. It was called Airbnb Hands Free when we bought it from the founder. But, you know, we, we figured that we probably wouldn't get away with using the Airbnb name yeah. for very long. So we rebranded to Love My B&B. And she's the CEO and equal shareholder to myself. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a director of the company. I'm, I'm just an investor. And, but yeah, it's a great, great business. Yeah. So I see kind of like the themes that you're talking about, the recurring revenue. I can kind of see that. I'm assuming that's probably what attracted you to vacation rental management. But tell me a little bit, what was it about that industry that really wanted you to invest in or get involved in? Yeah, it was very serendipitous, to be honest. Like somebody, uh, another friend of ours, actually, here in Colorado, came across the business. Um, and sent it to me. He was just like, this looks kind of interesting. And it was at a time where I'd sold my financial planning company and I was still figuring out what I was going to dive into next. And something about it just caught my eye. I just, and I kept like obsessing over it, you know. And if for any of our listeners who are entrepreneurs, you probably know what it's like when an idea or a concept or an opportunity takes hold and you continue to think about it. And 
I, I wasn't in vacation rental before. I've never been in property management. Um, but I kind of just was looking at the business and, and I love travel and I love Airbnb and I use it a lot. I know it's growing. I know it's a huge sector and the recurring revenue element of it made sense for me and the valuation that they were asking. And I just, I kind of couldn't stop thinking about it. And then my old um, COO, who is now the CEO, CEO of the company, is kind of very strong operationally and financially and has a background prior to joining me. She had a background in hospitality and tourism. So it was kind of, you know, a number of things like the team that I could put together to run this company, as well as the opportunity, as well as, you know, what the asking price was for the business um, that made me feel like, yeah, I think this is a good opportunity. Also the company, you know, he it's, a, it's actually an Australian company and he, got it to, I think it was 1.4 million revenue when we bought it um, within two years. And wow. that to me was just a good sign. Like we know that only I think 4% of businesses reach a million dollars in revenue. Um, and to do that in such a short period of time, I thought, yeah, that's, that's a good business to buy. Like it's growing fast and, you know, he didn't have a particularly large team or particularly sophisticated model that got it there. You know, he was a smart guy and he did great work and, and he got it there. And I thought, yeah, we can, we can do more with that. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I heard you made the acquisition, it, it made a lot of sense to me for you. One, because you travel so much, you're a huge mm-hmm. user of the product. So I'm sure you yeah. have ama- amazing, brilliant ideas. And then two, the fact that it was an Australian company, which obviously if people can't tell from your accent, you're from Australia, but now you now <laughs> live in Colorado, right? So the expansion to the U S yeah. I imagine there's going to be a lot of opportunity for you to do that as well. Exactly. So we, we only bought it in June last year. So we're just over, what are we, eight months into running it. And really that's been just bedding down the systems, the processes, understanding the business and making sure it's as efficient as it needs to be, doing the rebrand um, and getting ready to scale. But absolutely one of the plans is to bring what's working very well in Australia to a bigger market here in the US. Right, right. And I think I mean, like, I'm sure you, you know more about the industry as you're diving into it now, but property management has always been very attractive. It's, you know, recurring revenue, sticky clients. Um, you know, you can, you can manage a lot of properties with a a small amount of staff. I think this vacation rental segment of the industry is actually going to grow faster as illustrated by the company you just bought, just because of the number of users, not just on Airbnb, but also VRBO and all those other ones, but also the number of people that are now buying investment properties to rent out through these networks. Um, so what is your kind of, like, if you're looking into the future five years down the road, do, do you think this is a massively growing industry or what is your you know gut instinct about it right now? I do. I mean, millennials, are obsessed with travel and the next generation even more so. The oldest millennials are now 40. They have the money to do it. Um, And I think the way that we want to travel is different, hence why Airbnb has taken off so much. Um, We want that kind of different experience, staying in a Sheraton, Hilton type thing. People like has no interest to me or any of the people I know. Um, I think we're looking more for, I think there's two things that are emerging in this sector. And one is the Airbnb style where you kind of get to experience more of what it's like to live in that city or place. Um, and then I think the other is the co-living, co-working, which is unrelated to what we're talking to, but I, mm-hmm. I see that as a really emerging sector as well. 
So I just think Airbnb is democratizing travel. I think it's a huge platform that we, like our our business, gets to leverage. And yeah, there's even more opportunity to use VRBO and other other websites to gain um, customers. But Airbnb is just such a big space, and it's just growing. And there are issues I know regulatory regulatory in different places and things. But I think mm-hmm. overall the demand is there, and the users are there, and it's just it's just growing as travel grows and it makes it easier because there's so many more options now um, in terms of size of place to stay and length of stay and convenience and location because Airbnb literally means there can be places available for you to stay everywhere, anywhere. Yeah. I I mean, I love it. I use it for travel all the time too. And you're right. It's just a different travel experience. So let's pivot now and talk about, um, you know, your decision to buy a company. And I think you're super unique. Um, you're young, you're accomplished, you're a woman, and you've, you've been in the deal world. Like you've bought and sold a lot of businesses, which is actually not typical. You know, you usually see entrepreneurs want to get into a new business and they think, Oh, I'm going to do a startup. Right. And, and build from the ground up. So, you know, how, um, how did you decide to buy, um, versus start and kind of sounds like you weren't looking really in, to get into this industry or so if that's not the case, like why do you think it was a benefit to buy the company versus starting from scratch? Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm very intuitive and I'm an opportunist. So I do love to start things as well. So if I have an idea that takes hold, or like I end up having to bring it to life. But also if I see an opportunity like I did with this one, you know, I'll end up just wanting to take it. So yeah, I just, I do think there are advantages in buying a business. And I have, with my experience of buying and selling and merging and acquiring, I've become a little bit obsessed with that side of things as well and how exciting it can be and how, you know, when I first started, I was in financial planning. There was a very specific way that financial planning businesses were bought and sold. Mm-hmm. But very soon I understood, wait, like you can still structure a deal however you want. You can still make rule, the rules however you want. You can still create and justify valuations however you feel makes most sense to you. And then everything became very exciting to me because there are just opportunities everywhere and we get to like put that deal together. There's no rules. There's no 100% right way or wrong way it's right. just like how do we get most creative to make this work for us if we think it makes sense and that just excites me but you do get to skip um you know starting a company and building a brand takes a lot of time a lot of energy and a lot of there's a lot of mistakes doesn't matter how experienced of an entrepreneur you are or how perfect your plan is like you would know as well as anybody else nothing goes to plan like it's yeah. all because you don't know until you're in it and so there's something exciting about taking a company that has, you know, two years worth of data, two years worth of experience, two years worth of brand um, presence, two years worth of everything and being like, cool, we get to look at all this stuff and then make it better and not have to like do that all from the start. doesn't mean there's not continuing challenges. There always is. That's what being in business is. But it's, it's exciting to have like something to work with to move forward. Yeah. I I love how you brought the creativity in it too, because I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs are like, well, I'm creative. So I want to do a startup, but there's creativity in the deals. Like that's what everybody always asks me. Cause I'm actually a very creative person. They're like, how are you, like, how are you an M&A? I'm like, I actually find it one of the most creative industries because you can oh, put deals together <laughs> thousands of ways. Yeah. Right. 
Um, but also like, you know, it gives you more ability to create when you buy a business because you don't have to worry about those starters mistakes. You have revenue coming in, you have a little bit more of a buffer to play with, um, that you can try yeah. things, you know, like you guys just rebranded, um, which is actually like fairly, you know, expensive and time intensive project most of the time. So for a startup to do that, that's really hard to start with a brand, but actually if you you're rebranding stuff, you've got, you've got a marketing budget, right? Yeah, exactly. You have a budget, you have something to work with. You, again, you have like what was working with the old brand and what wasn't. So you have that learning and that information there. And, and then the culture piece, you know, when that's something I'm quite obsessed about as well as culture within business. And I think whenever we buy a new company, we, you know, the culture will shift because it's under new leadership and that's okay. And it's part of the process. So rebranding as well is part of like, how do we bring our culture to life? both internally, externally to the world. I, I think that's such an important and beautiful part of a brand is that it's a visual representation of the culture of the business. Right. Yeah, no, I, I love that. So, um, you know, I actually am, am pretty interested in this because it, so you're not Australian um, citizen still, right? Are you, no, I am. I'm yeah. still an Australian citizen and then, then I'm a resident of the United States. So a little interested because most of our listeners are in the U S we actually, we do have a couple offices in Australia and we did an Australia based podcast, which we should have had you on, but how does deal structuring work in Australia? I mean, in the U S we have a lot of um, deals backed by um, SBA loans that are government backed, but do you guys have any programs like that in Australia or do you usually put deals together with seller financing and earnouts? I think more the latter. Yeah. I don't know too much about what, what did you call it that you have here? It's uh, it's SBA. It's the Small Business Administration. So they guarantee oh. the business loans um, for business acquisitions, which is kind of nice. It allows us to get a lot more deals done because the banks have like a 75% guarantee on those loans. So they have to collateralize wow, a lot amazing. less. Yeah. Yeah. And I think- I don't actually know if we have that in Australia. We might, and I just don't know about it. Um, but yeah, most everything that I've done is just almost been like finance myself it's quite hard to get business loans as well um certain industries so within financial services we had certain um finance institutions that would lend Mm -hmm. they actually did control a lot of the structuring though because they would only lend if it looked a certain way and if the deal was structured a certain way um once again i found that exciting though to get creative within the framework of that um but yeah depending on how how big your your deal is how big the acquisition is um, obviously financing comes into play then and it can create constraints that you need to work within. Um, so yeah, I've kind of always just put everything together myself and, um, looking, there's, there's so many ways to finance things as well. I mean, you can vendor finance, you can get investor finance, use an institution. Yeah. There's a lot of different options, but most of what I've done, yeah, it's been, had to be pretty creative with. Yeah. I, no, I love it because, um, I, I think it's great to have those different options. I think in the U S we've, especially because the SBA loans have been easier to come by in the last few years, a lot of buyers have been reliant on them, um, and less creative by using some of the investor financing, seller financing. We still see a lot of, but less of so. Um, and that's definitely mm-hmm. something we, we see when the banks stop lending as much, which eventually they all do. Right. So we've already yep. been there. <laughs> So tell me your, what are you now, about eight months into this, eight, nine months? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what have been the biggest learning lessons for you, you know, starting in a new industry and, and getting into this company? I mean, very specific and detailed, I would say um, one of the biggest 
challenges and things for us in vacation rental is, is cleaning and having good quality cleaning. So we learned very quickly that that, when it comes to retention of clients, like that's kind of the core piece because if the guests are happy, then they're and then they're getting good ratings, and the properties are getting booked more. Um, so then, obviously, your clients, your hosts are happy. So that that's been something that we've just learned is like very, very integral. Mm-hmm. And alongside that is logistics. So you know, just managing all of the different moving parts. It's definitely you know a high. Um, there's a high operational involvement in that. This is, I don't really think any business is a set and forget, and this certainly is not a business that's set and forget. So when you're considering scale, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of moving parts that you're trying to scale, um, which once again is just an exciting challenge to look at, but that's, that's pretty much been the learning for us. So customer acquisition is actually kind of easier, but retention and making sure you're delivering that quality so that you can retain is the piece that, um, is really important for us. That makes sense, especially having, you know, a, a third party like Airbnb in there um, with the cre- yeah. customer's retention. It, I assume that makes it a little bit harder. Not, I mean, Airbnb I've heard is very easy to work with. So that's... Uh, Airbnb is great. Yeah. And I think it's just like us getting hosts and, and property listings hasn't been difficult and getting customers through Airbnb, Airbnb hasn't been difficult, but you know, the challenge of this type of business is there's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of different things you're managing. You're managing cleaners, you're managing supplies, you're managing the Airbnb listings, the yield, the pricing, all of that. You're managing guest communications, you're managing host communications, payments, payouts. There's a lot. There's a lot of different moving parts going into it. So if you're looking at this as a business, like think about that as a skill set. You need a team and particularly like a CEO or a COO who loves that kind of stuff. It comes naturally to them to enjoy managing and solving for that type of environment. Yeah, where you have lots of things coming at you from different aspects every single day, you know? Yeah, and, and, and the honest truth is like I knew this business was not a business I would enjoy running. I'm very passionate about what the business is, but I'm not strong in all of that, like lots of detailed logistics that my old COO is. She's such a gun and and that that's to do with deal structuring as well right is like right. what is the team that I'm putting together to do this business and where am I strong and where am I not and I think as founders and leaders and CEOs and entrepreneurs we need to know like and be humble enough and to drop our ego enough around like what are we good at what are we not good at and how do we like empower and trust and build the people around us um, to make that successful yeah it's, it's a great Great point. And I think the team, sometimes I, I think buyers don't think about the team until after the deal's closed, but thinking about it prior gives you a good opportunity to bring in somebody that's going to be a, a huge stakeholder in the business like you did with your old COO. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sarah, before we let you go, and we definitely need to have you back on the show to talk about all of your deal experience, but um, you do a lot of different things. You have Love Me My BNB, you have Grow My Team, which helps with virtual workforces. You also speak around the country and do keynotes. If someone wants to get in touch with you to learn more about how to work with you, um, how can they do that? Um, easiest way is just to hit me up at my email address, hello at com. You can spell it out in the show notes. Yes, yeah, so we'll put it in the show um, notes. Or, yeah. yeah. I have one yeah, of those last names Instagram. too. So, yeah, and we'll put yeah. your 
Yeah. We'll put your Instagram link too, because, um, you're so fun to follow. I mean, you've got some great business advice there, but also like I mentioned earlier, all your travels, especially when you're in places like Fiji during the winter, I get a little jealous there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Instagram is definitely a good place to just connect one-on-one and I do share pretty much everything about my life on there. So Awesome. Well, I'll see you there. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. And we look forward to having you back. Thanks, Jeff. Love love it. And look forward to being back. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And it is listing of the week. And I have James Knox from Trans World Business Advisors of South Florida, and he's actually in the Palm Beaches. Uh, and James, welcome. You you do have a nice listing, right? Yes, sir. Good morning, Andy. Yeah, this is a fantastic listing we've got here. So uh, tell us a little bit about it. It's in the uh, screen printing business? It is. It's a screen printing business in South Florida. Um, they've been around about 15 years. They have an excellent reputation. Um, the uh, sales are about 1.2 million annually and consistent. We have it priced at uh, 899, 899,000 with a uh, owner benefit of over 250 thousand dollars. It's it's a really great business. It's also been pre-qualified by Will Tensley at Bank United uh, for an SBA loan. Yeah, so you could get in there for what about 10 percent down? Yeah, actually, you can get in there for about 15 percent down, um, all in, all the fees and everything yeah, with sure, the bank. Sure. So it's it's, it's, yeah, it's set up great. I mean, uh, even, even Will was excited about this listing. I mean, the, the financials are in excellent order. Um, it, it just looks great. Yeah. I, you know, I love that business. Uh, you know, it's a tough business, uh, to really quantify, uh, you know, it's like stuff you can't really order online. You, you know, you think you can order that kind of stuff online and you can't, and you want to work with a company that's been around that is local that you could pick up the shirts and you get things done. And, and, and this one is a good one, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, they're not only shopping locally, but they have excellent customer service. They're right here in in South Florida. I don't want to reveal any more specifics about the location, of course, but um, they they also not only are they, you know, even though they've been around 15 years, the equipment is not 15 years old. They have brand new equipment in the last couple of years. They have a really phenomenal state-of-the-art screen printing machine. And uh, so, you know, you're not buying some dated you know, some dated business. It's it's a really fantastic business, and they they kind of have the corner on the market in in one specific uh, area, anyway. Yeah, and, and they really only have one one. They only have uh, one competitor of their type in the area. So I mean, it's you know, it's great, and there's there's room to grow and, and service other industries as well. So. Yeah, sure. I love that kind of business. People always ask me, "What kind of business should I buy?" And I'm like, "Well, one that you could go out there and sell and grow." And this is exactly that kind of business. So, James, exactly. if someone, yep, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, best way is give me a call or send me an email. Uh, my phone number is five six one. Uh, 329-0384. You can email me at tworld.com. That's my first name, James Knox at tworld.com. Great. James, thanks so much for bringing this excellent listing. Yep. Thank you, Andy. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com.
Ocean.com. Can you hear it? The sound of ocean? Waves against a rocky cliff? It's Maine, a place where sights, sounds, and tastes all come to life. Breathtaking vistas from the top of a seaside mountain. Lobster and oysters straight from crisp, cold waters. It's where you can take a breath and a beat and let the world slip away. Plan your trip at visitmaine.com. Where do you want to go next? Anywhere is possible when you use booking.com. Choose from thousands of unique stays across the U.S. and beyond. From hotels of all sizes to beach houses, wooden cabins, tiny homes, and more. Whatever style of travel you prefer, from sun and surf to camping in the woods to sightseeing in the city, you can find the accommodation that's perfect for you on Booking.com. Book somewhere, anywhere. The possibilities are everywhere. Booking.com. Booking.yeah.